Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. It's not Wednesday night, but it is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Coming at you for a special Tuesday night edition. Ryan Talbot, this is uh, an all-in-one episode of Shout. It is our staple show. It is our preview podcast. It is a short week for the Buffalo Bills, which means we have a lot to get to over the course of the next hour. Uh, To kind of set set the stage here a little bit, we're going to talk about what we've heard at One Bills Drive over the last two days in the fallout from the loss to the Patriots, some of our final thoughts on what's going on with this uh, offense and this team moving forward. We put out a survey in the Shout Buffalo Bills Insiders. What is the Bills' biggest problem? We're going to dive into those results a little bit later on. Some roster movement uh, happening, some roster um, financial moves to discuss. Ryan Talbot, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. Pumped up about tonight's episode. Looking forward to the Thursday night football game and all things Bills. Well, I'm looking forward to a trip to Tops Friendly Markets to get myself set up for uh, the next party that I'm having. And if you are hosting a party for game day or if you want to get your tailgate all hooked up for the home primetime Thursday night game, um, get ready with Slider Sunday over at Tops Friendly Markets. Every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and more. It's one chance per day, no purchase necessary, and then head into Tops and get yourself stocked up with all the goodies uh, for your game day needs. All right, Ryan, it's been a, um, what's the best way to put it? It's been a reflective 48 hours for the Bills. Um, hearing from Sean McDermott multiple times, Ken Dorsey last night. Um, I think we have a better picture of how they view what's been happening in the first half of games and what is happening in terms of collectively trying to figure out the problem and how to move on from it. What is something that's been said in the last 24, 48 hours that stuck out to you uh, considering what you think went, what, what happened in, in New England? Well, you know, hearing that Sean talking about having his input on the offense, having his, you know, uh, having a certain kind of say in it, overseeing the game plan. I don't want to sit here and say that I'm, I'm overly concerned about that. I'm sure every head coach uh, sits in on these meetings and has some sort of say. But but it did make me think, are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Are, are they trying to maybe get away from some things that have worked in the past uh, for, I think, in their minds, the betterment of Josh, not running him as much. And Josh talked about that a little bit today and, and keeping him healthy, keeping him fresh. But uh, I think that it's something that you and I have talked about, Matt. I think going simpler is going to be something this Bills team needs to do. They haven't done it yet. They've talked about it. Thursday night, short week. I think there's no better time than now to uh, go with, you know, go with the hits, go with what works going into this matchup. But, you know, that was the one thing that stuck out to me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I asked Ken Dorsey about the challenges of bridging the gap and and working together like, a you know, Sean McDermott, who's a defensive play caller and uh, who's spending most of his time with the defense and has mentioned after games that, all right, there was, you know, I was in the meeting with, I was meeting with players. I was meeting with coaches reacting to what happened on the field. And I have offensive coaches coming over and pulling, ringing my doorbell is the, is the quote that he used to kind of come back and, and get involved in some of the game management issues. And, you know, I wonder as we move forward here, how much Sean 
maybe removes himself at times from the defensive stuff to get more involved with the offensive side of things. Because Dorsey said what's been good about Sean McDermott's um, involvement in the offense is that he's a defensive-minded head coach who can help the Bills attack defenses, like where they're vulnerable, setting up game plans, so on and so forth. I thought it was interesting that Sean McDermott mentioned he doesn't like to micromanage, so he wants his staff to kind of go out and and, and feel like empowered to run the show in, in their different areas. But I do think, like, ultimately, it comes down to Sean, and I think Sean has to make the decision, like, all right, am I, am I helping or am I hurting in these situations? And if it's a situation where you now have Josh, what if Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott been echoing in unison for the last two off seasons, Josh Allen has to change the way that he plays. He does, right? Like this isn't, I felt like Josh today saying that, um, oh, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but um, something to the, to the degree or something to the effect of, Running as a quarterback isn't, you don't want to major in running as a quarterback. That's what he said. To me, that felt like parroted from Sean McDermott's mouth, right? Like, or Brandon Bean, like they could have said that at some point. And to me, he said that he's out there playing freely, but the natural instinct in his game so often over the years has been to run. And if he's taken that out of his game because it's not a smart way to play, I think they have to reimagine this a little bit. And, and Sean was asked about that this week in terms of running him more. And that's something that they're continually talking about. Maybe they do have to say, all right, let's, let's loosen the reins here a little bit. Josh Allen has to like, stop thinking so much and go out and play. But I don't know about you, Ryan, but listening to, Sh to Josh Allen today, he said he's having a lot of fun, but it doesn't look like he's having a lot of fun. Like everything looks so stressful especially on the field, but like coming in talking to the media and I get it. It's probably the last thing that these players want to do. Like after a long practice to trying to figure things out on a short week, I'm not judging him based on that, but overall it's just, it seems something feels different. I don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but he's changing the way that he plays. And the crazy thing is he's not been bad. As a matter of fact, most of the season, I think he's been pretty good. Something just feels off. Yeah, and you know, I get the quote about not wanting to major in rushing or running, and I I understand that completely. But it's the fact that it's been taken out almost entirely uh, from his arsenal. And if you don't want to run the design QB, you know, design QB runs the sweeps, whatever, I'm okay with that. But there's been so many situations this year where he's had open field in front of him, and instead of taking those free yards, moving the chains. He's still, he almost feel like he's trying to force the ball down the field and, and pass the ball rather than utilize his legs slide to avoid hits, which is still an option there. Uh, I'm not saying to go in and lower the shoulder like he was early in his career. You can be smart about it, but you're right. It did sound like something that was almost parroted uh, by Sean McDermott, by Brandon Bean, and I understand it. These these two were in Carolina when they had Cam <laughs> And you saw how quickly Cam Newton hit a wall as a quarterback in terms of uh, how the, you know, the hits affected his play and uh, limited him as a quarterback, as a runner. Uh, and it happened very quickly. And, and they don't want that to happen to Josh. I get it. I respect it. I understand it. But I, I said this on uh, Danger and Pataglia. The Bills have, they have a Ferrari in Josh Allen. They're, they're using him like a Prius right now. You have to unleash him. You have to get him out there. You have to let him play to his strengths. And uh, until they do that on a more consistent basis, I could see this offense kind of hitting those lulls. And he can say he's having a good time out there. But like you said, when we see him on the bench and he's kind of uh, blank-faced and when he's meeting with the media after the games, the last one was less than uh, three minutes, it felt like. Uh, that didn't feel like fun at all. And by the way, that that three minute meeting with with uh, Josh Allen, and I know some people mentioned like uh, reporters should have asked more questions. I wasn't down there. He was already done by the time I got down there. I was writing my story, and obviously, this was one of those stories you kind of had to hang out and 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 write for a little longer after the buzzer. By the time I had gotten down there, he'd already gone to the podium, been done. Uh, so they kind of like rushed him in there, and he he typically goes right after the game. He likes to get it over with, and I get it. But yeah, that would have been one where probably would have been more beneficial to let a couple more people get down there. 
but I'm sure that that uh, the Bills weren't really considering that um, as he gets off the game, gets out of the game, and, and obviously frustrated. You know, the I sent out a list to our insiders on Monday after going back and looking at some of the stats, and you know what, I I went back and I I listened to probably. 15 different people that I enjoy, I respect, I consume on a, on a semi-weekly basis, uh, podcast wise, uh, national folks, local folks, just to get everybody's kind of temperature after that game. And I came out of that period cause I had a lot of travel, um, on Monday morning. So I, I made it through all the, the different podcasts and I came away with five takeaways on this offense that I think need to change. And where I started was finding a way to be urgent early in the game and where they've been the best this season. And that is running no huddle offense. And I, I asked Stefan Diggs today, why is it that Josh looks so good when you guys go up tempo? And he said, it's something Josh feels comfortable with, uh, sees it better. And he says he can kind of get out there and figure it out as we go. And he has answers. It's different when you have to call a play. Uh, we have to break the huddle fast. We've got to get lined up fast so he knows what he's seeing. We have shifts. We have motions. There's a lot of moving parts. But I think hurry up is more so simplified. And defense has got to hurry up and line up too. They don't got all day. That was very interesting because one of the complaints that I heard after that game was how long it was taking play calls to get into Josh Allen. So if you go up tempo and eliminate some of the time crunch, like if if you're trying to do multiple things, we talked about simplifying things, right? I tweeted that during the jets game. Does this, is this, is this offense too hard? What's the best way to simplify it? Give yourself more time pre-snap. So you're not rushing at the end of the um, play clock. I, I think getting up tempo and putting Josh in a place where he can kind of cook a little bit. I know that's always a fun little line. Let Josh cook, but like, seriously, I, I think going up tempo, Ryan might be even more important than the running. I, I actually agree with that completely. I think that it's something that this team needs to utilize, utilize early on in the game. And uh, it goes back to another question that you asked Sean McDermott this week about uh, winning the coin toss. And if you do, why not get the ball first? put those uh, opposing teams in, in the spot where they're playing from behind. It would not shock me at all if on Thursday night football, if the bills win the toss that they receive, they come out up tempo, no huddle, whatever you want to call it. And it allows Josh to play a little bit more freely to, uh, to get the offense up there at the line, to have more time. If there are any changes that they need to have, I, you go back and watch that new England game, especially early on. There were so many instances where the Bills were snapping it so close to zero or when it was on zero and they were still able to kind of get it off without getting penalized. They did have a delay of game. They had to burn a timeout at times throughout this season because they're going so close to the end of the play clock that going up tempo like this, I think, can help them in a lot of areas. But most of all, it's going to help Josh Allen maybe look more like his old self in terms of what we're used to, playing a little bit more freely, uh, getting the ball, to his playmakers, keeping defenses on their heels, keeping them tired, or maybe even getting them tired faster because you you put them out there, and if you're moving up tempo, they, they get winded pretty quickly on the defensive side of the ball, make the other teams burn their timeouts uh, sooner than they want to. Uh, there's a lot of positives that can come out of it. The negative would be if the Bills don't move the chains, if they can't get uh, you know first downs, then you're putting your defense in a bad spot possibly, but I, I think it's worth trying. It's worth rolling out at times. Uh, it doesn't even have to be first thing every game for these next few weeks, but at times it's kind of second quarter, one of their drives, come out, up-tempo, keep the defenses, the opposing teams on their heels. Uh, let me workshop something here a little bit with you because you know you just put out an article today on a, a bunch of trade targets, and we're, we're going to spend time on that over the next uh, week or so. We don't have to get too far into the weeds on that. But you know, one of the one of the topics is like, all right, where do the Bills look to address if they do go out and try to um, trade? I, I was watching the Tampa Bay Bucks. We're gonna get plenty into them today. One scenario that I think could be really interesting would be Mike Evans and Levante David for some type of package, and I don't know what that necessarily looks like. It may be Gabe Davis. And multiple picks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that ends up looking like. 
But I wanted to talk to you about that because this even let's throw a trade out of the of the book, the out of the window. I think something the Bills have to do is seriously consider dropping Gabe Davis's snap share. He's over 90% of snaps on the season, uh, or he's hovering right around 90. Last time I checked, he was, I think, over 90. Look at these snap shares for Deontay Hardy. 15, 15, 13, 15, 15, 10, 19 against the Patriots. That's the most he's had in a game this season. Ryan, when Deontay Hardy's had the ball in his hands, it's looked like electric. He everything we talked about him when when they went out and got him was the run after the catch, the the production after the balls in his hands. I don't feel like Gabe Davis is a huge threat after the catch, especially if he's in if he's not in space. If if there's guys around him, he's not really generally making guys miss. There's not that electricness that I think we've seen in a, in a very small sample size with Hardy. I want to see what the Bills' offense looks like. With Hardy outside, Diggs outside, and now Dalton Kincaid. And oh, by the way, subtopic. All right, never mind. We'll, we'll get into this in a second. I want to. I want to save this. What are your thoughts on that? And would you kind of lean into a potential trade if it worked out money wise for David and Evans, knowing what you might have to give up, but what potentially could come back? Yeah, I mean, Gabe Davis is in a contract year, so I'm not against that. Mike Evans is a proven entity, 1,000 yards per season. David is a linebacker that helps. You know, you, you look at their division, though, and that division's still wide open. I think Tampa Bay is uh, still planning on going for it. I'm not sure that they're going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, you, you look at teams like the Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, teams that are probably already kind of throwing in are waving the white flag, so to speak, saying that this year's kind of over. We, we're going to do a teardown. We're going to do a partial teardown. Uh, I'm not sure Tampa Bay is in that spot, but hypothetically, you know, what you're proposing, if you can make the money work, sure, because then you're addressing two needs that, uh, you know, that's hurting this team right now. And as for Gabe Davis himself, I don't think 90% snap share is good for him either. I think that late in games, uh, he's probably not running his Christmas routes. He's probably uh, not doing, you know, what he could do if you just cut back on that slightly. Some of his most effective years were where he had guys like John Brown uh, taking a, a part of that snap share, Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I'm not saying someone needs to leapfrog him and become the uh, number two receiver on this team, but I don't think it's a bad idea to give Deontay Hardy 25 to uh, 30% snap share. Like you said, when he's had the ball in his hands, he's had one deep play with it. He's connected on, uh, but these short passes, he's making guys miss. He's moving the chains. Uh, he's, he's, you know, tough to tackle in a phone booth, so to speak, just because of the way that he can move around. I want a little bit of that incorporated on this offense. And I am really interested to see what this offense actually looks like personnel wise on Thursday with Dawson Knox needing the wrist, uh, surgery, with Quentin Morris being up in the air, having Dolan Kincaid now is your top tight end. Um, you, you know, are you going to run some more three wide receiver sets where you can get Hardy incorporated, get Sherfield some more snaps? We've seen what Khalil Shakir has done. It's going to be interesting to see if maybe these injuries can unlock some things for this offense in terms of maybe 12 personnel is not our sweet spot. And, and who knows? I, I don't know what it's going to look like on Thursday night. They still might find a way to maybe Quentin Morris can come back and play in this game. Um, but I'm, I'm at least interested to see if there's going to be a different dynamic here based on the injury of Dawson Knox, based on what we've seen from Hardy as of late and trying to get him on the field more. Um, one person in the comments pushing back on, on Gabe Davis. Listen, if, if you've listened to this podcast over the last couple of years, uh, I'm not saying that Gabe Davis isn't good. I, I've been higher on Gabe Davis than I think most people have. I'm just thinking more. A, a, first of all, asking for less snap share isn't even necessarily a knock on Davis. I'm just saying you need to do something different and lean into potentially another skill set. When Gabe Davis was at his best in this offense, he was the third option, right? Like he was filling in at different times in two or one and a half seasons now. He's been the bona fide number two wide receiver. In that time, he has two games with over 100 yards receiving. Two. 
of like 20 something. That's not elite wide receiver to production. Is it all Gabe Davis's fault? Of course not. Of course not. He's a good player. At times he has big moments. Does the offensive line, did it play really poorly last week? Yeah. That's like the first game it did all season. So saying that it's only the offensive line and not trying to put any of it on Gabe Davis, to me, that's very short-sighted. And I think that they have to, one of the things that I think that they should have taken out of last season is that Gabe as a 90% plus snap share um, option, they never pivoted away from that in any scenario. All I'm suggesting is an idea that might throw a different look at a defense. Again, it's not really a knock on Davis. It's just... You got to try something different. It hasn't been working early in games, and there has not been any juice in the last three weeks from Gabe Davis outside of, I think it was the Giants game where he had a pretty good game. Yeah, and listen, he's an excellent blocker. He's made so many clutch catches along the sidelines uh, when Allen has had to scramble out of the pocket. And they lost. Um, and, you know, they he does some good things, but to your point, two 100-yard games since being the, you know, bona fide number two wide receiver, some big time drops uh, in bad moments, bad times. And I get it. He's human. Every wide receiver does it. But to, to your point, getting different looks, getting different personnel out there, it's not a bad idea. Uh, we saw how good Dolan Kincaid could be when given the opportunity last week, uh, getting more of a target share. So asking for Deontay Hardy to get a bigger target share, you know, it's not a bad idea because of his skill set versus what Gabe can do. They're different. Hardy's a burner. Hardy is a guy that can beat you in all three phases. Gabe can use his size. Gabe can uh, is among, like I said, the elite in the league in terms of the toe taps uh, along the sidelines and things of that nature. But it's okay to try to mix and match. Right now, this offense has kind of hit a wall the, the past few weeks, and the offensive line play against the Patriots was really bad. But like Matt said, that's the first game since probably week one against the uh, Jets, where I've sat there and said, man, this O-line looks terrible. Uh, there's been a lot of you know bright spots from Osiris Torrance. Last week was his worst game. Spencer Brown, I still thought, had a really good game, actually, last week. Uh, Deion Dawkins had his issues, though. Uh, McGovern, Mitch Morris, you name it. So when four of the five are not uh, playing up to their level and guys are getting through, yes, that's part of the problem, but that has not been a consistent problem all year. Mr. West Ashley. I, I'm going to have to mute him in a second because he's he's really just like pushing my buttons in the comments. I didn't say Hardy is even close to Gabe in skill level. Are you listening? Are you listening? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to have a little like uh, I'm going to go off on a side tangent here in a second. Um, and it's Hardy, H-A-R-T-Y, not Hardy. OK, um, anyway, sorry. Side note. It is, a, it is boiling me up, man. Like you're not listening to what I'm saying. Let's have a conversation about it. Fine, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. Uh, we're going back and forth. By the way, hit that like button if you're uh, watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel as well. Even you, Mr. West Ashley, um, you can have your opinion. It's just, it's not lining up with the conversation. So it's fine. We'll move on. Um, I want to get into 12 personnel real quick. Um, I don't know. I'm still fired up. I was fired up on, on the field the other day. And uh, Jason says, you're going to mess up your hair. You got to get, you got to relax. Maybe I will. Maybe I will mess it up. I was actually talking to some people, Ryan. I was showing a couple of people. Uh, I was at dinner with John Scott the other night and I was showing him a picture when I had um, kind of like a shaved head and like a fade on the side when I was at the UFC because I, um, Lucas got a bad haircut. So we ended up like shaving it down. And so um, I, he didn't like it. He was like, oh my gosh, I shaved my head. So I shaved my head too, just so I can look like him. And so he didn't feel like, uh, totally whack about it. And, um, so, but it was horrible. It was like shaved down. And so I had to, um, get it faded up a couple of days later. I thought it looked pretty good. I don't know. What do you, would you think that would shock the world? If I like just not and by the world, I mean like the people that watch this show. Um, <laughs> if I, if I shave it, you know, maybe that's what needs to be done here to, to kind of get everything back on track. Maybe it's the hair. It's the magic of the hair. I think that's it. Go for it. All right. There you go. All right. 12 personnel. Let's move on. I don't know. I'm just in a, I'm in a fired up mood. So don't take it personally. Uh, Mr. West, Ashley. thank you for subscribing to the channel. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, you know, the, the 12 personnel this week, they may not have an option to run it. Right. I mean, I, they're going to probably have to call up Joel Wilson. 
uh, off the practice squad. Uh, I know they had a couple of tight ends that they brought in to work out, but I think it's okay. I think this, this is something we were talking about before the Dawson Knox injury. Listen, have we been critical at times of Dawson Knox? Of course. The Bills are a better offense with a healthy Dawson Knox. They just had to – I was advocating for more creativity around how they're using these two players. It doesn't all have to be 12 personnel. I know they put a lot of eggs in that basket, but they've actually run better out of 11 this season. So I think you'll be okay in the short term, long term, when Knox gets back eventually healthy. Maybe this will force you into a pivot that the Bills didn't seem comfortable making. They still were leaning – quite heavily into 12. I mean, I, 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 uh, logged every snap during the game and man, 88 and 86, uh, uh, on a play happened a lot in that game. So I think you lean into 11 this week, you see what that does for Dalton Kincaid in a larger sample size. And then when Dawson Knox gets back, hopefully, you know, you're hoping it's not a, a long-term deal there. Uh, Sean McDermott doesn't have a timeline, but when he gets back, maybe you, find a way to make them more interchangeable and like a rotation rather than leaning into the 12. Yeah. And a rotation makes sense. And you don't want to make it too obvious where if it's a rundown, it's Dawson Knox in there. And if it's a passing down, you're going to throw in Kincaid. Kincaid needs to learn on the job in terms of blocking. He's had some actually bright spots at times uh, as of late. <laughs> blocking down still has a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. Knox is by far the superior blocking tight end. It's not even close, but uh, I, I like the idea of 11 personnel when Knox comes back as well, because then you're getting more of your playmakers on the field. Uh, you're keeping your tight ends fresh. You're able to kind of rotate them. Uh, I, I feel like having the, the two tight ends on the field and, and the Bills' lack of hitting plays over the middle might just be because of the extra attention to the tight ends and and where they're running their routes and I almost wonder if that's going to free up some more room across the middle of the field where the Bills can kind of attack that on Thursday night. Uh, I think Kincaid is is in line for another big game coming off of his last performance. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what it looks like. But I think that when push comes to shove, uh, if over the next few weeks, because like you said, hopefully not a long-term injury for Dawson Knox, if a change to 11 personnel or a majority of 11 personnel is making this offense run better, then you got to stick with it. And then you can just rotate between your two top tier tight ends. Um, if you have not signed up to become a shout Buffalo bills insider yet, do it right now. Two week free trial, seven, one, six, five, two, eight, six, seven, two, seven, text that number. Uh, you'll get details on how to sign up three 99 a month. If you like those two weeks and you want to stay in, uh, we actually did a really cool survey that we're going to kind of dive into and, and make the second half of our show here in a little while. Um, really excited about it. We're doing all kinds of different things. We're doing like private zoom sessions with our, our following, which I'm trying to set up for Thursday before the game. So if you've been thinking about becoming a shout insider, do it right now because we're gonna have a really cool, um, special, uh, zoom where you kind of come in, hang out. Like we're kind of in a lobby together, just talking bills football. And the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C buyer attorney with the law offices of francis m Litro, located at 237 main street in buffalo new york if you or someone you know is seriously injured give them a call at 716-852-1234 tell them the shout guy sent you or check out litrolaw.com all right and um uh, my wife told me that i say the uh the text line number too fast so i'm going to put it in the chat. It is 716-528-6727. Just text that. Text that number. Copy and paste. Text that number. Become an insider. Uh, hang out with us. Uh, we're going to do some really cool stuff over the next uh, couple of weeks. All right. Uh, let's get into the Tampa Bay Bucks, Ryan, because this is a team that I watched their game against the Atlanta Falcons last week. And mind you, I was a little tired today when I did it but I fell, fell asleep twice and rightfully so because that offense is brutal. You want to talk about a team that's just shooting itself in the foot with penalties, man, they, they do it at a very, very high level. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, to be honest with you, I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't watched a ton of him this, this year. Uh, I watched most of him in the preseason, but he didn't look bad in this game. 27 40 for 42, 275 yards, a touchdown and interception. He's got two um, high-end receivers in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and I thought he got the ball to them at times. But, man, they just could not generate 
enough consistency on their drives. Feels like the Bills in a lot of ways and finish drives with points. They were 0 for 2 in the red zone and really struggling to get to the red zone. 6 for 12 uh, on third down. I think the Falcons have a good defense. I don't think it's great. Uh, they were pressuring him uh, quite a bit. Uh, what was the final penalty number? Nine for 66. Mm. And that was just the ones that were took that were taken. Um, so what are your impressions of this Buccaneers team? Any thoughts on, on their defense, which did a pretty good job against Desmond Ritter, which isn't saying much. Well, first with their offense, I think it's going to be really important for the Bills D-line to have a bounce-back game to get that pressure on Baker Mayfield to make him uncomfortable. Uh, there's been times this year where he's had more time to throw, and he does have a good rapport with Mike Evans. Uh, Chris Godwin, obviously, is a very good player as well. Mayfield and, and Godwin, both on the injury report for Tampa Bay, both limited today after not practicing uh, yesterday. But yeah, the, the the defense for Tampa Bay is solid. It's is really solid. And the Bills might actually be catching a break with uh, Vita Vea. It looks like, you know, did not practice, did not pl- practice the last two days at that. So <laughs> if they can avoid him up front, that's a, a huge win for this offensive line in Buffalo. Uh, they have really good linebacker play, though, in Tampa Bay. Those guys kind of fly around. Uh, I like some of their players in the secondary. So it's an intri- it's an intriguing battle. But like you said, it's two teams that kind of shoot themselves in the foot with penalties, back themselves up, put themselves in these situations where uh, it's hard to convert, hard to move the chains on these third and long situations. Uh, you know, the Mayfields turnover there. Atlanta is not a world beater on either side of the ball. They have talent on both sides, but I've seen some good things from Tampa Bay at times this year. Yeah. And I think um, to your point, first of all, going back to the offense for a moment and I'll, and I'll obviously have some uh, thoughts on the defense as well. Cause you mentioned Vita Vea and it's like every time you put on the, uh, a box game. I mean, he just jumps off the screen, man. If the bills can somehow, you know, get that number under the cap. And I, I disagree a little bit on the bucks and where they're at. Like, I know it's like the Mayfield, um, operation and the NFC is not as good, but if they lose this week and go to three and four coming off of that performance, I, I just think like, what's their ceiling, right? Like, I think at some point as a general manager, you have to be a little bit forward thinking and saying, and I think actually Colin Cowherd brought up a great point and I don't always listen to him, but he sometimes comes on my, um, uh, comes into my, uh, my feed on TikTok um, Cause I, I listen to a lot of sports uh, clips on there. And he said something really interesting that he thought the Minnesota Vikings should rush to trade Kirk cousins coming off of that performance against the Niners because his stock's never going to be higher. And what's going to happen. You have a really good schedule over the next six weeks. You're probably going to, you know, maybe even win the division, get in the playoffs, but you know, how many times do you have to see the same movie over and over again before you realize it's going to be the same ending. And I think that the bucks are kind of in that same spot. I mean, Tom Brady's not there anymore. Baker Mayfield's played pretty well, but there's a ceiling to this operation. And I think they got to try to flip it with some older pieces. I mean, David Vita Vea, Mike Evans, even Chris Godwin. I mean, I know he's like a two years removed from that extension, but players that are getting older, you got to almost start to flip it to, all right, maybe you got to start to get a little bit younger and start, you know, accumulating draft capital. Yeah. And, and you know, not to go off into topic on the article that I put out today, but, a lot of the trade candidates that I put out, I, I mentioned, you know, they're still productive in a lot of the cases. They're still playing pretty well. But if you're a team that's in teardown mode and you're looking at a prospect that's in their, you know, late 20s, uh, they're probably not part of your long-term plans. And it's not a bad idea to turn the page, stockpile draft picks, and just kind of stick with those core players, those young players that you foresee being there, uh, you know, for the next five to 10 years. Uh, in your mind if everything goes well. So, yes, there are some older players on this Tampa Bay team that probably are not part of the long-term five years out type of, uh, you know, in in their minds in terms of what they think this team is going to look like. So I I get your standpoint. Like I said, though, I look at this division. It's very winnable. But are you going to be able to beat the 49ers in, in the playoffs? Maybe the 49ers have had two duds in a row. But I still think they're a really good football team. The Eagles are just... You know, they're rolling now at uh, six and one, and they just added Kevin Byard and uh, outstanding safety. They look like the class of the NFC again. You can get into the playoffs, but is that really just like what you want your season to be? Or do you want to say two or three years down the road now, 
we can not only make the playoffs or maybe four years down the road, we can actually be a, a legitimate contender in this conference. That's the tough role of a GM because will you still be in that job three, four years down the road? There's no guarantees, but you do have to kind of change that mindset at some point where just sneaking into the playoffs, maybe winning a wild card round, that's really not enough at the end of the day where you know everyone's main objective is to, to hoist up the Lombardi trophy. Um, the, the, the Buccaneers defense has a bunch of names on it. You mentioned, uh, most of them already. Um, Antoine Winfield jr. Man, he is just an absolute spark plug, uh, at safety. They have a couple pass rushers in Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, uh, who has 13 pressures, uh, three sacks this season, four sacks for Vita Vea. Vita Vea does everything, man. It's unbelievable. But you look at their PFF page. And like, it's just a ton of green uh, in the grades, which, which tells you that this is an above average defense. I think Devin white uh, having a bit of a down, down year, uh, but Levante David, even at his age is still producing at a pretty high level. I'd almost think about maybe even making a run at him in general. I know he went back there. Uh, he, he opted to sign back with uh, Tampa Bay, uh, but if he's up for it, I mean, I, I think Dorian Williams and Tyrell Donson, you can roll with that if you want. But if I'm sitting here after this limited amount of time where you've watched those two guys play, I'm probably, if I'm Brandon Bean, thinking it wouldn't hurt to add a guy that comes in here and adds stability back next to Terrell Bernard because Bernard showed how good he could be with another like reliable piece back there. And obviously Matt Milano is more than reliable, which, by the way, weird development with Milano and like Dawson Knox yesterday with Sean McDermott. Like, so McDermott was asked about Dawson Knox drop and if the wrist injury was affecting that at all. And he said, um, I don't know if it was affecting him, but he's got to make that catch. And then eight minutes later, he's like, yeah, Dawson Knox is having um, uh, surgery on his wrist and he's going to be out for a while. (laughs) It's like, did you not think to mention that like eight minutes ago when, when, when you were asked a question about Knox and then today, I asked him about Matt Milano because somebody in the shout insider chat was like, what's going on with Milano? Like what's the actual details of the injury? He was asked two times once by me and once by Joe B. And he's like, I don't want to get too far into it. It's kind of, uh, it's, it, it was too hard for him to explain. He just wanted to, he said it like, like the NHL, can we just call it a lower leg injury? So really just odd circumstances around this Milano injury. So I don't know. And then Von Miller mentioned it was a real tough injury today, uh, but he is back around the team. He did have surgery. And so uh, I guess we'll have to play it out and see when we finally do get some details on that. Yeah. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt on Dawson Knox. Like maybe after he made that comment, the bills found out Knox was going to have surgery and someone texted him or he got some kind of message on a smartwatch or on his phone. And we couldn't see it in that presser. Uh, and that's when he said it because eight, you're right. It was literally eight minutes later. It's so bizarre to be like, oh, yeah, he needs to make that catch. Uh, that's a question you should ask Dawson if it's really, you know, affecting him. And then eight minutes later, oh, yeah, he's having surgery, by the way. We, you know, we don't know how long it's going to keep him out. Uh, Matt Milano, everything's been very hush hush about that. And that doesn't surprise me. The Bills are hush hush about everything. But then today to say it's more complicated to hear the comments from Von Miller. Obviously, it doesn't sound promising, but to have him back in the facility rehabbing, I look at that as a bright spot. So, you know, it's kind of like we're right where we were back to square one. We still don't know a lot about what's going on here. We're told, you know, it's a better question for one of the trainers and things like that. And maybe we will get those answers soon. Uh, But here we are now, late October. We still don't really have a good idea of this the specifics of the injury to Matt Milano, despite asking uh, quite a few times. Um, Tampa Bay's defense is the number 12th ranked defense. According to Aaron Schatz DVOA stat, uh, they come in at minus 3.8%. The bills have dropped down to 13th at negative 3.4%. But how good is their offense, Ryan? Their offense, offensive DVOA is so high at 25.7 that despite being the 13th ranked DVOA defense, they come in at four overall in total uh, DVOA in the NFL. Guess who's, who's up to number one. Who's that? Guess. Come on. Oh, you got to play the guessing game here, come Ryan. On, man. I was going to say the Eagles, but that seems too obvious right now. Eh, wrong. 
All right, who do we have? No, keep guessing. All right. Um, AFC or NFC? You at least give me that. I'm guessing AFC based on NFL. You're killing me. Um, Dude, this is dead airtime. Come on. I know. I, I'm I'm blanking here. Come on. Just spoil it for me. I can't. We, we, we're in here now. We've, we've, we've leaned into this. Kansas City. The Chiefs doing pretty well. Six games in a row. Eh. Um, so, wait, you said the Bills were four. Bills were four. Chiefs are three. Chiefs are three. It's going to be some surprise. So, you've got two of the top four. Yeah. I said, and you said it wasn't the Eagles. wasn't okay. the Niners. Niners are number two. You have three of the top four. Who is the number one rated DVOA? team in the nfl miami brian says no yeah, as i say it could be miami because the offense being so high up there um no. so no not my ravens how about the ravens they're playing good football ding 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 we have a winner baltimore ravens i am not surprised they're playing as well as any team in the league obviously offensively lamar jackson uh playing really well dude their defense it is legit jadavian Clowney is having like a career. I don't even want to say renaissance. It's like a, it's a career awakening. Like this guy has been like just blah the last couple of years and even getting to play opposite of miles Garrett. And he is, what are you laughing at? Caitlin's comment. This is why I don't play trivia games with him. So annoying. <laughs> well, dude, that was a great one. That was a great little trivia game. You got to lean into it. You got to play a little bit more. You I know couple, you win a couple, you it's know, just like thinking of the last few weeks though. And, and who would have moved up and down. Oh my gosh. Caitlin goes, you're no Trebek. Get better at hosting trivia, Matt. She never calls me Matt. Ooh. Don't call me that. It's weird. Um, everybody else calls me Matt, but she calls me Matthew. Uh, so I, I also, before we move on here, we had a comment here up on the, the screen, and I I dropped it off by accident. What was it? Oh, oh here it is. It's from, it's from Johnny Mac. The shout insiders will text you when your girl you just met won't. My man, we got a new tagline. I like it. Facts, just hundred percent. No, real quick with the Ravens, uh, legit on, on defense. They're talking with Indomitian Sue as well. They showed interest in him, so they're even trying to get reinforcements up front. Uh, more, more so speculation than anything else. But they were like, kind of linked to Derrick Henry after the Kevin Byard trade in terms of what could he do to unlocking that offense even more. They're playing really good football, and I, I know we've seen them play really good regular season football before and just kind of collapse in the playoffs. Uh, it does feel a little bit different this year in Baltimore and in a very tough division. I, I could kind of see them kind of uh, reigning supreme there all season long. So we have over 300 insiders on the text line right now. And we put out a uh, uh, survey earlier tonight and over a hundred have responded. And so we got a really cool um pie chart here that we're going to dive into here in a moment but before we do let's get into our final thoughts on this Buccaneers game because a who are we picking how do we see it going and how do we feel like the Bills are going to respond you know Ed Oliver looks like he's trending in a good direction he's been limited still in practice the last couple of days I feel like he's going to play uh, but that's not a sure thing yet um, how do you feel like this thing goes I thought it was interesting Von Miller said Ed Oliver is the point guard for this Bills defense. Mm -hmm. He makes it go today, which after last week's performance, I think he's right on the money. I think that if they win, they're going to have to win ugly. They're going to have to win a close one, scratch and claw. They do play better football uh, at home than they do away. I, I do have them winning this one 24-20. Uh, I'm not going too crazy with the points for the Bills based on what we've seen <laughs> the past few weeks. I think that Tampa Bay can keep it close with their defense and the way that they've been playing uh, on that side of the ball. But with Ed Oliver, if he is back, uh, I think that that's going to help the interior of this line. I think the interior is going to be playing a little bit better as well. Ilianku is uh, – Trending to sign to the team's practice squad tomorrow, Matt, pending a physical and a little little inside info here from a source. Uh, they would not be surprised if he was elevated for Thursday's game against Tampa Bay, depending on injury. So he might even get called right into action. And 
Uh, I, you know, I know he's not a superstar, but he's been very stout in the middle of that defense when called upon. We've been talking about him a lot the past few shows and, you know, some fans on uh, X, formerly Twitter, so that Matt willed this uh, re-signing into fruition based on our conversations. I think that he's going to help on the interior as well, which was a major, major problem against uh, New England Patriots last week. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the Anku thing is interesting because I'm with you uh, and you obviously have a report or uh, uh, somebody telling you that he could get uh, an activation. I don't know if he will, though. Just because, right. no, guaranteed. yeah, because if Oliver plays and and he's good to go, I think they probably go with the four. But if he's not good to go and you're really underwhelmed with Puna Ford, what you saw out of him last week, and maybe even Tim Settle, maybe you do want to get him in the mix. So definitely don't rule it out. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Here's the thing with this Bucks game, man. Um, they're a tough defense. They're an opportunistic defense. They took the ball away a couple times last week. Um, I also think the Tampa Bay offense can turn it over too. And so if the Bills defense responds, gets a big inspired performance after a, a game last week, like I probably made this pick too early in the week. I'd probably pick the Bills now, but I'm sticking with it. I got the Bucks winning 27-24. Um something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel it feels off with this team. They're, they're in a rut. We've seen it multiple times during the Sean McDermott era. And I'm not sitting here saying that they can't find their way out of it. They have almost every time seven and six in 2021, things looked bleak and we know how things kind of transpired after that Tampa Bay halftime. So, you know, and, and maybe that that's what they need. They need the bucks on their schedule and I'm going to have egg on my face here and they're going to, they're going to turn things around this weekend. But until they show me, I'm not going to pick them. So I'm going to go with the Bucks in a very close game. Sheila Atkins, one of our regulars and the insiders, said that I'm fired. And listen, that may be the case. You might have to fire me because uh, maybe the Bills come out and just smoke, uh, boat race the Bucks, which is which is possible on Thursday night football. You know they're coming off a short week too. That was a physical game. If Vita Vea can't play, that definitely changes things. But you know I'm just going to hold them, hold them accountable for the performance over the last three games. And we'll see. And it just didn't feel great today. Like we mentioned right. at the top of the show, like talking to Josh Allen about it and all the things that he's kind of going through internally and you know, how he's going to play. Like maybe he comes out on prime time and looks like, you know, 2021 Josh tomorrow and they're back they're on Thursday and they're back on track. We'll see. Uh, but I'm paying them. All right, let's get to Real this. Quick, let me oh, ask yeah, you one ahead. quick follow-up before we get into the pie chart. If the bills lose, are they sellers at the trade deadline or are they status quo? Wow. That's because a great you could shed question. Some, you could shed some contracts possibly, get some things off the books, get yourself financially healthy, help some other teams that might be contenders. If you're sitting there at, uh, you know, four and four at that point, are you hope, Are you just holding out hope that you eventually get it right? Or is this the time just kind of not abandon ship and move a few pieces? <sighs> I can't see them abandoning ship. There's too much. I, I know they talk about like everything inside the building, uh, not listening to the outside noise, but there's expectations to go and and challenge for a Super Bowl. And you know who does Miami play next week? Um, I know they got the the Chiefs coming up. So they have like Patriots this weekend, they have the Patriots this weekend, which is a tough game. I mean, they're playing confident football. They just beat the Bills, who beat the Dolphins. They played them tough a couple weeks ago in Miami. That's going to be a tough game. And I and I don't think Tua. You know, I think there was a bit of a blueprint written last week by Philadelphia and what they were able to do. So if the Patriots can maybe get a little bit healthier on defense, I think that's going to be a a tough game. And all of a sudden, the Patriots get right back into the mix. So even if the Bills lose, you know, the, the Dolphins could lose. You know, the Dolphins lose in a couple weeks against the Chiefs. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that they're willing to give up on this season knowing that they still have Josh Allen. And... Maybe they're an addition or two away. And I know Brandon Bean always says, you know, you're never a player or two away. Um, I, the, although I, th I think you can make the argument that this kind of quality roster, even after the injuries, might be a player or two away from really um, competing. I don't know. I don't like that. I, I don't like that. I like the uh, question that you raised, but right. I don't like the idea that they abandon, you know, the, this season and sell. Love it. Love the response. All right, let's get into it, Matt. All right, here we go. So we have 106 responses. Is it showing all of them? Yes, it is. Okay, so 
share this in here. Here is the poll. So the, the survey, excuse me. So I asked our shout insiders and I said, um, sorry, I'm getting all their emails on there. Sorry about that. 106 responses. The question is, what is the bill's biggest problems? And I put out five answers. Uh, injuries uh, have decimated the defense. That's the red here. So that's the overwhelming answer, uh, 34.3%. Yellow, Ken Dorsey's play calling. So the battered defense was the number one in terms of the biggest problem. Ken Dorsey's play calling comes in at number two. Uh, number three, Sean McDermott's philosophies. So obviously getting a lot more involved uh, on the offensive side this week, it seems, has had his thumb on that whole thing already. Uh, the third, Josh Allen's erratic play uh, comes in at number four, excuse me, at 8.6% of the vote. Then offensive line woes that popped up versus New England that comes in at number five. Then I gave the option of other Ryan, and we have a load of additions to the wheel. We'll go through those in a moment. What it, what's your reaction initially to how this poll kind of sh shaked out? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I kind of agree with the defensive injuries. And I guess I told uh, told you on our last show I would unveil what I told you after that London game. I, I said after the Bills lost to Quan Jones and Matt Milano in that game alone, I looked at Matt and I said this team can't win a Super Bowl without those two. And at that time, I thought that they were both, you know, kind of out for the year and very possible Daquan Jones is able to come back late in the year if the Bills are making a push or in the playoff picture. Matt Milano, who knows? Uh, but we've seen what this looks like without them in a small sample size, and it has not been promising. Uh, so I feel like these defensive injuries, and you throw in Trey White, and I know Trey White was very up and down the first few weeks, but he was still a, a stabilizing force where, you know, Dane Jackson, he's had some solid play, but uh, it feels like the Bills are playing off the wide receivers with a big cushion on both sides between Benford and Dane Jackson. Not something you would necessarily see as big of a cushion with Trey White. There'd be some space there. But it, it feels like the Bills are really afraid of, of what some outside wide receivers could do uh, down the field, and they're playing really, really safe right now. So that kind of concerns me, too. I'm not shocked that injuries, defensive injuries specifically, is what was at the top of the list. I kind of scoffed at that idea when you mentioned it because yeah. I thought, okay, they have Josh Allen. Um, they're healthy on offense. They have an offensive line that at the time was playing above expectations considerably. And so I was like, you know, McDermott will coach it up. And actually, it's funny. We got a, a message in the text group. I can't remember who it was from. But I had mentioned something about the defense, some kind of text that I, I put along. And the response from this insider, and I'm not trying to put them on blast or anything, put this person on blast. But um, the response was, I'm not worried about anything defensively going into the game against the Patriots. McDermott will coach it up. And I don't know, Ryan, that doesn't hold up coming off of this Patriots game when Mac Jones was able to pretty much execute anything that he wanted to do in, in the part of the game where you start that drive feeling the momentum where it was. There's no way the Patriots are, are driving down to score a touchdown, maybe a field goal, but I'm probably not even buying into that. So I think I totally agree with this. The results of this poll, I think the defense defensive injuries are a huge problem because it puts other, it, 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 it eliminates your depth because depth's only as good as not having to use it. And now they're, really having to dive deep into it, especially in the defensive line, Ryan. Jordan Phillips didn't look great in a, in a larger role. And maybe, you know, listen, everyone talks about Von Miller coming off the injury. Jordan Phillips didn't get much work this offseason either. He was working all the way through training camp and preseason trying to get himself back. So there's a good argument to be made that he's not back at 100%. Then Puna Ford obviously still trying to fit, get his, you know, get comfortable in this defense. And then Tim Settle, Again, just hasn't been the kind of, you know, even low impact player that I think we maybe talked about hoping when they signed him two years ago. Yeah, and, and Puna Ford, I want to see a few more games from him if he gets the opportunity because, like you said, he's been inactive. It's a new scheme, new system. Tim Settle has been here long enough to say that it hasn't had the kind of impact whatsoever uh, that I think the Bills were expecting, that I think people that watched Tim Settle were expecting. And 
I'm not trying to say that Tim Settle is not a talented football player, but he probably did benefit from being on a rotation in Washington where everyone around him was a first-round pick that was getting a lot of attention uh, and it allowed him to to play one-on-one matches and play more freely and uh, get some better opportunities where, yeah, the the Bills have a ton of talent on their D-line too. When you have Ed Oliver, when you have – uh, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, but it's just not looking the same here. Uh, so maybe it's the system, maybe it's the scheme, maybe there's just something where he, it, something's just not clicking for him, but he has not made that kind of impact. Jordan Phillips, the injuries over the last few years uh, ha- have hurt him. There was one play where he just literally got thrown out of the play against the Patriots. It was uh, a rough snap for him, and I, I know every player has those rough snaps, but the interior of the line is hurting right now. The linebacker play is hurting. Uh, say what you want, but Sean McDermott does not seem to trust Dorian Williams. He's pulled him twice now last week and also in that Jacksonville game when he came in uh, for relief of Matt Milano. We know what Tyrell Dodson is. We know his limitations. Uh, there's a very clear ceiling there. So uh, it feels like a replacement at linebacker should be high on Buffalo's priority list if they were to make a move at the trade deadline. And obviously, if you can add a potty at cornerback, uh, an upgrade at cornerback that is good in a zone defense, uh, restore some of that depth that you're kind of lacking, uh, I think that would be a good thing too. Um, let's go through some of these other submissions in terms of what is the Bills' biggest problems. Some uh, some good ones. And we'll go through five at a time. I think we got a 15 or 20 extra. We could talk about uh, maybe our favorites here in this final uh, little segment. First, playing down to bad teams' level, the media. Come on. What are we doing here? That's another thing. We get a little side conversation. Bruce Exclusive, one of my favorites. Um, great Twitter follow. Go find him. Bruce Nolan, he does a podcast over on the Buffalo Rumblings Network, had a great meme where he put out tough pills to swallow. And he's like uh, something about like how aggressively media ask questions isn't going to change the results of the football uh, games that your team plays or something like that. No matter what we ask Sean McDermott as evidenced by the last couple of weeks, He's going to generally give the same answers. Right. I don't believe in the in this like you gotta be tough with them. You gotta piss them off. You gotta like anger them. I'm trying to like have a conversation and I'm trying to get answers. And I think like a professional exchange of ideas. Uh and and listen, there's an old school philosophy that a lot of people kind of buy into and you know Jerry Sullivan had a way about him Bucky Gleason before him and you know that was the way they believed in doing it and they were columnists a little bit different um I'm a beat reporter so it's a little bit different but I think that there's a a way to get to answers that doesn't necessarily have to be you know being an asshole and I and not to call either of those guys assholes I, I consider yeah. both of them friends but um I, I just don't believe in that so I think you can ask a t- hard question that, you know, maybe about a hard subject. And I think we asked some of those this week, you know, talking about the dynamics between Ken and, and Sean, which hasn't really been discussed much yet. I mean, I, I want to like create an environment where we can learn something, glean something. And I think like coming in with a, with, with a hammer on Sean or even Ken, I don't think that's going to yield good results, but you know, maybe somebody will go that route and, and prove me wrong, but don't get it twisted. The questions that need to be asked are being asked and they've, they've always been asked. And, and the thing is, cause I see it on social media too. They need to be asking the tough questions. There's a difference between being an emotional fan and there's nothing wrong with being an emotional fan and having a job of being a beat reporter and, and trying to get the answers in a conversation form. I understand where this fan base is right now in terms of their expectations versus the product that they've seen. Uh, but you just don't come in guns a blazing. Like you said, you can ask the questions and have the dialogue and get to what you want to get to. But Sean McDermott is very guarded in his responses. He's very smart in what he says. And he says a lot of nothing at times. And that's not, he's not the first head coach to do that. He's very calculated in his responses. He doesn't give other teams bulletin board material. He doesn't reveal anything more than what he wants to reveal. And that's what good head coaches do. And that's 
a-okay but you know the other flip of the of the coin is it was what two weeks ago that our, our friend tim graham asked sean mcdermott about if he would consider having someone else call plays on offense he gave no uh he said no right away but then graham was getting you know criticized on social media by those fans that wanted these tough questions that wanted uh sean mcdermott put on the spot about why this offense is struggling so it's just interesting because it feels like in sometimes, just sometimes, we can't win no matter what the approach is. Exactly. Um, and that's – we don't have to go too much more on that. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny because somebody said the media. Anyway, uh, so here's – let's go, let's run through these. And, and uh, I'll do the first five, and you, and you tell me what's your favorite of the bunch. Yeah. McDermott having too much on his plate, so having to call the offense and the defense. I think here's the second one. I think only scoring zero three points in the first half is a huge problem. We don't throw underneath as often as we should. It would help Josh get the ball out faster. Uh, if, uh, sorry, I can't read this whole thing. I can't read the whole thing. It's pretty long, but obviously like getting the ball out faster, um, rely on Hardy and Kincaid to make some moves and show what they can do. Uh, here's the next one. Josh is on a leash right now. D line depth front seven needs to step up. I see the biggest problem in the lens of looking forward. I believe the offense will find a way, but that run defense, particularly the defensive tackle personnel will be fatal. If not addressed Hmm. of those, I I like kind of the, I I don't want to say that Josh Allen's on a leash, but he's not playing Josh Allen brand of football. And again, I don't want him lowering his shoulder, trying to pick up extra yards. I want to see him running for seven to eight yards when he scrambles out of the pocket and there's green grass in front of him. I want to him to put a fear of running into the defenses. And maybe that's all he does is he runs four to five times, not even design runs when he breaks out of the pocket and there's green grass there. That's one thing I want to see that just he's not willing to do this year for whatever reason. And defenses right now don't fear him as a runner. They are looking at him as a pocket passer, and he's more than that. You saw how many sacks he alluded against uh, New England last week alone. Uh, would-be sacks, people clinging all over him and him somehow finding a way to get away. But he's not playing to his full skill set, and that is limiting this team to a certain extent. Um, what other color grass is there? You mentioned green grass multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's. It's just. Uh, I, I. Well, there's blue at Boise. If you go to Boise, that's actually true. I don't like that experience visually. I wonder if it looks better in person because on TV, I, I always think it's gross. Yeah, I get it. I understand. You like it? Uh, I don't mind it on TV. I don't know right. if I would. I don't. I don't know. Not. I'm not a huge fan of it. It, it makes them stand out. I love it. All right, let's go to the next five. Um, the offense is too complex. Delay of game from too many checks, mental errors, the too much uh, to think about each play, something that we talked about quite a bit. Josh has played erratically, yes. Can't discount some of his decision-making. Uh, there are other guys open, but he's always forcing it to digs. But I wouldn't pin it on Dorsey's play calling. Um, this is a long one. Uh, this is interesting because did you see the video that uh, Dan Orlovsky put out today? Yes. Do you have a chance to watch it? He had a couple clips. Uh, and if you don't follow Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, I highly recommend it. He does a really good job. And he highlighted a couple plays where it looked like Josh could either run or he not really run, but like he didn't find the blitz in time locate the fact that it was happening pre-snap when it happened he didn't have a plan so he didn't get the ball um out of his hands quick enough and that's where things kind of broke down and i think at times maybe put a little bit too much stress on an offensive line that's gotten a lot of criticism yeah uh, you know of the the few that you just kind of read there i, I think there are some over complications where maybe you don't have that game plan in mind once you have the ball in your hand and that's not a good thing uh, I think there are times where there's too many checks and they're getting to the line too late and they're they're having to burn timeouts, getting the delay of penalty, uh, delay of game penalties, excuse me. So I think over complications, I want to see a more simplified offense going forward for the next few weeks at least, uh, then incorporating a little bit more onto their plate. 
uh, you know, they're obviously capable of a complex offense. These guys are pros, but at the same time, it, it's certainly hindering them right now. All right, a couple more here. They look like they've lost their edge. Underwhelming roster depth. Um, combo of philosophy play calling, which is hindering Josh's instincts. Cause, ooh, wow, this is a long one. Cause and effect problem. Injuries on the defense have exposed or high-pointed Josh Allen's inconsistencies. In other words, the now added pressure of not being bailed out by the defense uh, has perhaps put more straw on Allen's back and that he needs to learn how to overcome uh, stress, I would imagine. Uh, all right, or Dorsey in the offensive line, consistency from all phases of the team, uh, worried that it's psychological. So, you know, a lot of good responses. It's kind of all baked into, uh, for the most part, you know, the things that we were talking about. Uh, but listen, we're going to get a clear snapshot of where this team is Thursday night. And, you know, Vaughn said after the game that, you know, sometimes the best medicine for a team uh, to get right is to not have too much time to think about all the problems that you have. Get a, get a short week, get back on the field and try to figure it out. Yeah, and the, of those last few, I think depth is a concern. It is an issue. We saw what the defensive tackle depth looked like last game, uh, and it was underwhelming. We've seen what the linebacker position looks like and the lack of trust McDermott has. Uh, but I did like that talking point. I don't want to say the defense bails Josh out, though. I want to say that in that three-game win streak where the Bills are just steamrolling teams, uh, including a, a good Miami team, the defense, after those first two touchdowns that they allowed, they were forced there some three and outs, and that flipped the field position. That gave the Bills the chance to get the lead. It feels like teams are getting longer drives against the Bills, even if they don't necessarily end in a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, that's keeping that's limiting the amount of series that Josh Allen, this offense, is getting. So the, the struggles on the defense are playing a role hand-in-hand hand with the offense. I don't believe the defense bailed him out. I think they put him in more advantageous situations, though, with the way they were playing over that stretch when they were healthy. Well, uh, I'm feeling pretty healthy. I'm ready to go cover a football game on Thursday night. We'll see how it all plays out to get yourself ready uh, for game day. Start your slider Sunday. Let's say slider Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to redeem for free product, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more. Then visit the Topps Deli section. Look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian displays, scan that QR, bam, chance to instantly win prizes. Topsmarkets.com slash slider Sunday. Get all your favorite slider recipes. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. This was a supersized episode of Shout. We'll be back on late Thursday night. Stay up late with us. We'll probably have a lot to talk about. Take care, everybody.